1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93
0: WIBC. So let's
1: rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. You know, Hammer, one of the things I was most passionate about during the midterms, one of my issues I paid attention to, even in the 2020 election, was energy independence. And with the stroke of a pen after Biden got elected, he signed that debilitating executive order 13990 which effectively ended the keystone pipeline uh federal oil drilling leases and uh, even people are worried about inflation the price of of goods the price of food and, and all this falls under the umbrella of energy independence all this falls under the umbrella of the oppressive Uh, anti-energy Green New Deal policies of the Biden administration. That brings us to our next guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Daniel Turner is an energy expert, founder and executive order of Power the Future. Daniel, happy
0: Thanksgiving. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to be with you. So,
1: Daniel, I just, actually, I think I saw you yesterday or the day before on Fox and Friends talking about this. I I definitely want to get to your energy policy roadmap for 2023 as as the newly elected Congress starts to take power in January. But just a little bit about you, your business, background, and, and, and what is Power the Future?
0: Yeah, I've worked in the advocacy space for 20-some-odd years, and I started Power the Future about four years ago because I saw a great disconnect between the policymakers, and those people who are affected by energy policy. And I live in rural America. Um, We have a sheep and cattle farm. I love rural America. And rural America is where our energy jobs are found, as well as agriculture and and so many other jobs, right? Um, But the policy people, the ones who make the decisions about energy policy are people like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Joe Biden. And they make these policies like canceling Keystone, and they're totally disconnected from the millions of men and women who have to suffer the consequences. And I felt that those people needed a voice, so I started this organization exactly for that purpose. Daniel, Jason Hammer here. Again, for those who haven't paid super close attention, maybe they've been preoccupied with how much things cost in the grocery store, but how dire is the situation with American energy right now? Um, You know, I hate to be doom and gloom, and it's not fun to have to be, but I'm seriously concerned that Americans should be concerned. We have a huge energy shortage, and the reason why we have the shortage is because we're not producing enough. And Biden's tried to blame it on, on COVID. He's tried to blame it on Vladimir Putin. But the fact is, as our supplies have dwindled tremendously, our diesel is what probably has me most concerned because of what machinery, what pra- what vehicles use diesel. Um, that's how we power our entire economy. But even home uh, heating fuel is at a very uh, uh, serious shortage, and we're seeing that reflected in prices. Um, so the fact that this administration, that Joe Biden, uh, his spokesperson, KJP, the fact that they're so indifferent, it shows, again, why Power of the Future was started. It shows that disconnect between energy policies and their consequences, and those people are out of touch.
1: And could you compare and contrast the difference between the previous administration and Trump's energy policies compared to what Joe Biden did his first day of office, which was to sign that executive order having to do with uh, the U.S. energy policy?
0: Yeah, the the miracle of the previous administration, of the Trump administration, really the the genius of their energy policy, is that they did absolutely nothing. And I mean that in a total compliment. They let us do our job. They got off our backs. Definitely the president cut an awful lot of regulation. But if we needed permitting, he he gave us permitting. If we needed access for land, for pipelines, for drilling, for fracking, whatever – The government allowed it. It's how it should function. And notice the consequence. In twenty nineteen, the peak, right before COVID craziness set the peak of our energy success, we were producing more oil and gas than ever before. We were at record low prices nationwide. We had record number of employment in this sector, record number of uh, tax revenue generated by this industry, and we lowered our emissions. If that's the standard that the Greens hold us to, emissions, we lowered our emissions more than any other country in the world. And that's the beauty of the free market. When we were given the chance to operate, We didn't pollute, right? We didn't hear about – you didn't hear about price gouging under President Trump or profiteering. That's all we talk about now. How come when we had freedom in a free market – we did so much better than the, the command and control of the Biden. And that's and that's why the left is a danger to, to freedom and to the economy. So, Daniel, let's go back a couple weeks with the midterm elections. This was talked about. This was a key point of the conversation in a state like Pennsylvania, where Fetterman went out and has said for years he is against fracking, he's against coal, but yet he still ends up getting elected. What do we make of this? It's just absolutely devastating. And it shows – well, one, it shows the problem with early elections as far as I'm concerned, early voting. Early voting, yeah. Um, Yeah, because, you know, Fetterman was was really – his feet were held to the fire after that atrocious debate. And I'm not picking on the guy. But, but after that debate, then the media began to ask him some really probing questions. And that's when I believe it was CBS News that showed him the video of him saying how he's always opposed fracking and him saying, well, that's not true. I, I support fracking. And a lot of Pennsylvanians were left scratching their heads saying, who the heck did I just vote for? Right. That's the problem with early voting. And that is a strategy of the left right now. Keep your candidates. Joe Biden did it during COVID. Right. Keep your candidates hidden in the basement. Uh, use the media to, to be a shield. Um, throw lobs at the other team, tell them they're all extremists, they're all racists, they're all they're all mega mega, whatever the phrase was. um, And let's just hope the voters don't know who who our guy is. Um, So, yeah, when, when I saw what happened in Pennsylvania, it's devastating between him and their new governor elect Shapiro. They they are on the record that they hate the oil and gas industry. And Pennsylvania is the second largest natural gas producer in the nation. Uh, 500,000 people work in that industry in Pennsylvania. They have to be nervous.
1: Energy Pro uh, Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power of the Future here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. What did you think when you saw – because I I feel like Joe Biden, every time gas dips below $4 a gallon, there's a victory lap from the White House, and they take credit for it. But when gas jumps, they say, well, the president doesn't have anything to do with gas prices. Was there any reason for Joe Biden to deplete the oil reserves?
0: Yeah, sure. There was a very important reason why he dipped into the strategic reserves. Um, There was a huge emergency, and the emergency was the Democrats were uh, at risk of losing the Senate. And that that was the emergency. Um, If we wanted to have an increase in supply, we just need to allow access to oil and gas drilling. But that was not a viable option. So the Biden administration knew if we release these million barrels a day, Maybe it will send a market signal. Maybe it will look like the supply is increasing. Maybe the price will drop. Whether or not it did as a mathematical formula, because clearly there's issues with China, there's issues in the global market, doesn't matter. They got the consequence they wanted, which was that he could take credit for looking like he cared, for looking like he was taking action. And it probably did save them a Senate seat or two, Um, and and, and that's tragic, right? We're using this industry as as leverage for political ideology, We're using it, and that's not the way we should look at natural gas or oil. It's not the way we should look at farm policy, right, manufacturing. This is how we survive, how we eat, how we keep ourselves healthy. Um, It's frustrating that we use these great industries for for political weaponry and – but, uh, but you know, D.C. is an awful cynical place. It's why I it live is. in rural America.
1: <laughs> Daniel Turner, uh, energy expert here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. One more thing before we get to the uh, energy policy roadmap for 2023 for Congress that you put out there. I'm wondering what you just thought personally. Like, I thought it was embarrassing as an American citizen to see Joe Biden fist bumping the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, going down there to OPEC with, with hat in hand, begging them to turn on the spigots and sell us more oil, and then basically giving us the middle finger.
0: Well, I thought it was embarrassing especially given his his, you know, haughty rhetoric about he was going to stand up to this guy and yeah. he was going to look him in the eye. I mean, if if you're going to make those types of comments, you know, you got to man up, right? If you're gonna, <laughs> It's it's like the guy in the bar who's threatening to punch everyone's lights out and then someone stands up and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not actually going to fight." Um, so yeah, Joe Biden spoke with such Anger about the Saudis, about yeah. OPEC And don't get me wrong, I am no friend of the Saudis or of OPEC, OPEC's an evil Cartel, um, but but You can't have it both ways, Joe And, and he seems to want it that way
1: <laughs> Okay, so uh, newly elected Congress, Republicans Have the House, take power In January, uh, you're um, your firm, Power the Future, has compiled an energy policy roadmap for 2023, which is like it's basically a top 10 list of things that, if enacted, can help reverse the destruction that's been caused by Biden's anti-energy Green New Deal. Can you just maybe briefly go over some of those? One of the, some of the more important highlights on this list.
0: Sure. And what we really wanted to highlight for the incoming Congress as an advocacy group is that, yeah, you didn't flip the Senate. And of course, Biden is still president for two more years. But the House has tremendous power. Look at the committees that impeached President Trump twice. Look at the January 6th committee. Those chairs have an awful lot of those committee chairs have an awful lot of power. And Nancy Pelosi, say what you want about her. She understood the power of the speaker, the power of the gavel, and she wielded it without any mercy. Um, so this roadmap we put together was a guide to say to members of Congress, hey, you're in the House now, you're in the majority, let's start standing up for America's oil and gas industry and maybe punching back. And so we listed 10 very specific things that the House can do. Hopefully they'll, they'll heat us.
1: Where could people find out more uh, on your foundation? Um, where can people find you if they have questions and want to see the, this, this energy policy roadmap, Daniel?
0: Yeah, powerofthefuture.com is our website. It's right there on the home page. Heck, if people want to email me, I, I always give out my email, Daniel at com. And if you guys will have me back sometime, I, yeah. maybe they can hear me again on your great program.
1: <laughs> yeah, we would love to, to have you back very soon, Daniel, for an update. The, uh, the diesel thing really has me worried the more I wor- uh, uh, read about that. So maybe we can get an update for you here uh, in a couple of weeks. Happy Thanksgiving and best to you and yours.
0: Thank you so much. Great to be on your program. I
1: appreciate it.